Lovely. So, <laughs> tonight I'm going to be talking about, um, I'm going to look at why we should and how we can share the gospel with our friends. Um, but first, we need to know what the gospel is. You can't teach someone to learn an instrument without knowing the instrument yourself. And the news at 10 would be a bit rubbish if the news presenters didn't know the news. So the word gospel simply means good news. But to have good news, there needs to be some bad news. Otherwise, it would just be news. I may also be mentioning the gospels as plural. If I mention that, I mean the accounts of Jesus' life in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. So, quickly, the bad news. Well, Genesis 3 has the full story of the bad news, where Adam and Eve, the first humans, were tempted by the devil to sin against God. Because of this, God banished them from the Garden of Eden, and since then, we've been made separate from God. Romans 5.12 is a shortened version, and it says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. We have all sinned and all do sin. And the punishment for sin is death. We are born in a state of separation from God. Our very nature of ourselves from when we are born has been corrupted to the extent that we are an enemy of God. And the destination we are heading to, unless Jesus saves us, is that we're going to hell, which is an eternal separation from God. That's quite a harsh reality. But that's how urgent it is we need to know the good news. So the good news simply is that Jesus has made a way for you to be born again, a new creation and to walk with God again. Jesus said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That there is some pretty good news. The way that Jesus made for us to be born again was by dying on a cross, which was one of the most brutal, painful, and humiliating deaths by torture used by the Romans, only used for the worst criminals. But then he rose again from the dead three days after he was crucified, and he had, and he had to do all of this to fulfill prophets in the Old Testament. If you want more details on the accounts of they can be found in all four Gospels from Matthew 27, Mark 15, Luke 23, and John 19. There are three things that Jesus, through Jesus dying on the cross did for us. They are that our sins have been forgiven, that we become righteous with God, meaning we have a right relationship with God, and our nature is changed. We are born again. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes it. From first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. The gospel is a bold message and we are not ashamed to proclaim it. It is a powerful message because it's God's good news. It's a saving message. The only thing that can truly reform the human heart it's a universal message for the Jews and Gentiles both. And the gospel is received by faith. Salvation is a gift of God. The gospel is good news when we understand that we do not and cannot earn our salvation. The work of redemption is, and justification is complete, having been finished on the cross. The gospel is the good news that we who were once enemies of God have been reconciled by the blood of Jesus Christ 
and adopted into the family of God because of the death of Jesus Christ on the, on the cross. And it can't be earned by actions, but by faith alone. So now we know the bad news and the good news what, and the gospel. Why should we share the gospel? Firstly, we've already covered some of the good reasons because it's a matter of life and death. We know the bad and the good news, and if you love your friends, then I would hope that you would want them to live in relationship with God for eternity and not in separation. But this doesn't only apply with, to with friends as well. As we see in Matthew 22:35, one of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and, and with all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus says neighbor here, he doesn't just mean the people you live on the same road with or in the same town. He means the people you live in the same world as, which is everyone. By sharing the gospel, we are loving others as we love ourselves. And knowing the good and bad news, I assume we all want to be part of the good news. But also sharing the gospel and through, loving, through the loving of your neighbor in that way, we are helping them to, st to start to live by the first and greatest commandment, according to Jesus. We, are also, we also share the gospel because we are commanded to. It was the last thing that Jesus told his disciples to do in Matthew 28, 19 to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I command you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. In the Lord's Prayer, we say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray this, God wants us to be the sharing of the kingdom's message down on earth. We're here, we are here to extend his kingdom down on earth. We are here to share the good news. So we, know, we now know the bad news, the good news, and why we should share the gospel. Time to look at how we can share the gospel and tell our friends about Jesus. Firstly, I want to acknowledge that it can be really difficult. Speaking to friends who don't know Jesus can be difficult. We can often give excuses of why we aren't telling our friends about Jesus. Sometimes we feel like we're not good at it. We're too tired and sometimes we can't be bothered. I can often say, that's for extroverts and I'm an introvert. But sometimes we just need to get into a mindset. I know sometimes we get into a mindset that which says it's too difficult. I tried it before and it didn't work. Why should I try again? We may have lost hope because we've been disappointed. We've been trying and nothing seems to happen. And it can be embarrassing. With all of those things we may feel and say, we're still called to share. What better way to find out how to talk to people about Jesus than to hear, Jesus, to hear how Jesus spoke to people? As I said in my sermon last week, we are walking... We are to be walking as Jesus walked, so let's copy after his example of speaking to people. To do this, I'm going to ask Leo to come up and read from John 4, 7 to 26 for us, where Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman.
Thank you, Sam. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I don't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman replied, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you might what you do not know. We worship what you we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers that the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and the truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Thank you, Leo. So, how do we tell our friends about Jesus? There are two aspects that I'm going to go into, and they are being ready and then sharing the gospel. So firstly, being ready. How, how can we be ready? When I say being ready, I don't mean you need to be tense, waiting to pounce on your friends when they seem like they're about to open up and be ready to encounter Jesus. I mean to be ready and expectant to meet people who God has chosen for you to share Jesus with them. God will place people in your path who you can share Jesus with and he gives you those divine appointments. If we look through Jesus, the accounts of Jesus' life, he was always expectant of these divine appointments. In the story we heard today, Jesus was already ready to speak to the Samaritan woman. You need to recognize the area that you're positioned in because it's your, mes your mission field. When you're at uni or at work, you're at a place that others can't go. It would be a bit weird and inappropriate if I walked up at a school and started sharing the gospel with the teachers, or if I turned up at a physics lecture. These places are places that you have access to that others don't, and you may be the only Christian in those places. And if there are others, great. You can partner with them to share Jesus with them. We probably, have a, need, to, we probably need a mind shift, mind shift, mindset shift too, which, which says, 
Will I be open for a divine appointment in my workplace or my study place this week? Or will I be ready, willing and open with someone who needs to hear the good news of Jesus? Where God has placed you, he has appointed you to be a minister and share the gospel because church leaders and other Christians can't get there. We also need to slow down sometimes. Jesus never rushed. It's estimated that he walked 3,125 miles during his ministry, but there isn't any mention of him running in any of the Gospels. He was often late to, by the, the world standards. For example, when he went to Bethany to be with Martha when Lazarus had died, Martha said to him in John 11:21, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. To Martha, Jesus was late. But Jesus worked a miracle outside of earthly time, and Lazarus was raised to life. Spoiler alert. The enemy wants us to get so busy that we're rushing all over the place and miss out on those divine appointments, which sometimes my weeks can feel like. We often use excuses like, I'm tired or I'm an introvert, when actually the truth is that we've got too busy and we haven't been expecting those divine appointments that God is giving us. We can learn a lot from the way that Jesus walked, not rushed, not running to those divine appointments. We also need to be ready by living our lives in worship to him. As Jesus told the Samaritan woman in verse 23 of our passage, a time is coming and has now come where the true worshippers will worship in the, the Father in the spirit and in the truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. Last week I mentioned that our worship should be our lives, not our songs. That we should, wor we should be worshipping in our actions more than we worship through our music. The degree to which we can share Jesus is the same degree that you allow Jesus to operate in your life. So we need to be living a spirit-filled life, which Jeremy explained to us a few weeks ago. I would encourage you all to have a go and listen to that. It's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. There are exceptions to this, though. By God's grace, there are moments through our brokenness that God uses our words to share the gospel. But as you spend time in the Spirit and dwell in his presence, it starts to spill out, and you want to tell people, so allow yourself to let that love spill out. Your actions and the way you live your life is a witness to other people. When you go through difficult times and yet you still come to church on a Sunday and worship God, that says something that words cannot even say. We spoke more about that in the, about the way we live our lives last week. So that's another talk you could go and have a listen to when it's been put up on those platforms. So be prepared. Live your life in worship to him. So time to get on to actually sharing the good news. We need to recognize that these conversations with your friends, that we're not the one who is doing, who is changing our friends' lives. We're being used by God. His Holy Spirit is working through us to keep planting seeds and watering those seeds in the heart of the person you're speaking to. I'm gonna go through six steps of sharing the gospel with our friends. So. The first step is simply to pray. 
You can either pray silently if the circumstance to talk about Jesus comes to a surprise, or if you have planned to talk to your friends, then pray before the conversation happens. It can be as simple as praying, Come Holy Spirit, be with me in this conversation, lead my words to say what you want me to say. My second step is to listen. Don't just passively listen, but really listen, showing kindness and gentleness. Jesus listened. He was listening to the woman in gentleness and kindness. Notes that it wasn't just telling Jesus telling her everything that was wrong with her and telling her she must repent, but it was actually a conversation where the woman was able to speak and Jesus listened. The world needs great listeners, so let's be part of the change where we actually listen to people and give the person you're speaking to some dignity. So, number one, pray. Number two, listen. Number three, recognize the symptoms behind the condition. People are more likely to tell you about the symptoms of their separation between them and God. It's very unlikely, but not impossible, that someone who's never known Jesus is going to come to you and say, I feel separate from Jesus. But they are more likely to say something to do with how they're feeling. They could be feeling lonely and unloved. But we know that there's Jesus, who is the best friend and someone who provides the ultimate love. We see the woman talking about the symptoms after Jesus tells her he can give everlasting water in verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I won't get thirsty and have to come here to draw water. The symptoms are that she is thirsty for water, but the condition is that she is, wor- she is thirsty for everlasting life in Jesus. And Jesus' response in the end is explaining what true worship is and the answer to her problems. Other symptoms may be that people feel empty, have no peace, and worry a lot. So after you've listened to them and recognized the symptoms behind your condition, point four, speak about the cure. It would be a bit rubbish if you went to a doctor with a disease and they listened but didn't give you any advice on curing the disease. So speak about the cure. Speak the truth. Share the gospel message that you now know and use terminology that they are using so that they know that you are listening and understand. Jesus did this with the woman at the well in verse 13, where Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of welling up to eternal life. The water that Jesus gives will never run out. If the person you're speaking to has no peace, you can respond to them, letting them know that peace can be found in Jesus. Another way of speaking about the cure is through sharing the story of how you've come to know Jesus. Share your testimony. When it's something that you've been through, the person you're speaking to is more likely to take it in, not just because it's a personal thing, but also because it will be unique to you. So pray, listen, Recognize the symptoms behind the condition, speak about the cure, and then offer to pray with the person. If you ask someone whether they'd like you to pray with them, it's quite rare that they're going to say no. If they do say no, don't worry, that's fine. You don't need to force it upon them. When you pray with them, 
pray about the symptoms as well as that they would know Jesus. An example prayer could be, Lord God, would you just reveal yourself with my friend? Would you give them a sense of your presence? And would you feel, would they feel your peace fall upon them? So the sixth practical step is to extend an invitation to the person. Ask them whether they'd like to come to church or long to see you or even just to hang out with some friends down at Spoons. As Jesus said in Matthew 18:20, for where two or three gather in my name, there, I, there am I with them. Even when you hang out with your friends at the pub, Jesus' presence is with you. Also, Christmas time is one of the best times to invite people to church. And we have a lot going on at Christmas, which you can find on these, th- on these leaflets. And I know the CU have a Christmas carol concert coming up as well. So, the, so we need to pray and then listen, recognize the symptoms, speak about the cure, offer to pray with them, and then invite them. These steps don't need to all happen. They're not all going to, they're not all going to happen every time you meet with someone. You might end up skipping steps one to four and know that you just need to pray with them. And you might just have time where you listen to the friend and it doesn't go any further in that moment. But especially if they're your friend, you can catch up with them at a future point whether and ask them whether they've thought about what you spoke with them again. And some of the earlier points are likely to be shorter and you can further develop that seed planting, helping them to get closer to Jesus. Don't give up praying for people and their salvation. A story from a lady from my home church, Pat, who's just turned 90. A few months ago, Pat's son passed away. For his whole life, Pat had been praying that he would know Jesus. Then a few days before he passed away, he gave his life to Jesus. Pat didn't give up praying for her son, and God worked. God doesn't do things in our time. He has, has, he has his own timing. Let's go into this week and share the gospel. We don't need self-confidence in doing this. We need God-confidence. Pray, listen, recognize the symptoms, speak about the cure, offer to pray with them, and extend an invitation. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you, know, that you may know how to answer everyone. I'm going to invite the band up and I'm going to pray. So yeah, Father God, would you um, give us this courage to go in this week and for the rest of our lives to spread your word? Would we um, have that God confidence to... Um, to speak to our friends? And would we just not f- give up on those people who we might think that is, there's no, no, t- no chance of them coming to you? In your name. Amen.